0: Well, psalm 139 is, is a much-loved psalm. I don't think anyone here wouldn't have recognized some of those verses, uh, especially that wonderful verse, I am fearfully and wonderful made. It was written by King David, and he also wrote some other well-known psalms. Didn't he? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And King David also wrote um, Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 27 is another favourite psalm of many people, written by King David. I am still convinced of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so here in Psalm 139, with similar words of warmth and wonder, they flow from David's pen as he writes. Yet alongside this outpouring of his heart, he writes some of the most profound theology that you will read in the Bible. But he does it in the form of poetry, and it kind of sneaks up on us. Because in the psalm, David describes the three omnis. Are you familiar with the three omnis? Omniscience, all-knowing. Well, David describes that in the first part. And then in the next stanza, he talks about God being omnipresent. He's everywhere. And then in the next stanza, David talks about God being omnipotent, all-powerful. But unlike most theologians who live in the abstract and the esoteric, and for most of us the boring, <laughs> David speaks from personal experience with warmth and wonder. i better apologize to any of the theologians amongst us. But David does it in this wonderful, heartfelt way. It's really quite special. And so over the next three messages, we're going to look at each of those three omnis that we find here in Psalm 139 so we'll dive in to the first three verses O Lord you have searched me and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you see it's all about God knowing us searched me, perceived me knows when I sit and rise you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you know it completely O oh lord and we see here god's all knowingness and in a positive expression it means he knows everything everything possible everything actual he knows all events and all creatures he knows the past the present and the future he is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven on earth nothing escapes god's notice Nothing can be hidden from him Nothing is forgotten by him Nobody can teach him anything God does not need to learn (laughs) There is not some great archangel or other being That tells God what's happening or what he doesn't know He never ears, he never changes And he never overlooks anything It's very profound isn't it when we stop and think about it Hmm And we catch a glimpse of this all-knowingness in the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus was with God before creation, but to become human, in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus emptying himself. And so he emptied himself of the three omnis. And yet there's this residue left, this afterglow of glory that he still had as a human. And we see his all-knowingness in little bits and pieces scattered through the gospel. And so the story of the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof. Remember the story? The four friends could not get the man on a stretcher through the crowded doorway into the house. So they went upstairs to a flat-leveled roof and made a hole and lowered the paralyzed man down. And then remember what Jesus said as he came down and saw the faith of the four friends? He said, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" And the Pharisees were sitting there and they thought to themselves, who is this upstart? Only God can forgive sins. And then verse 8 of chapter 2, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And we see, see, Jesus had that residue of all-knowingness. He even knew what the Pharisees were thinking in their hearts. Of course, then Jesus goes on to say, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. And there's this wonderful sense where Jesus commands the paralytic to get up, and he does, which proves that he can forgive and his divinity. But we also catch a sense of Jesus being all-knowing. And it's wonderful to see that if we take a step back that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have this ability to know Everything. Now the question for us is how do we feel about that? How do we feel about the fact that God knows everything? I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. It's a good thing that we can be reassured that no matter how complex and big the universe is, God knows it to the finest detail, and how it runs, and what it needs. We are reassured that God knows everything about human cultures and activity, from politics to economics to philosophy. Nothing escapes him. But he also knows us at a very personal and intimate level. He knows everything about the person next to you, which is probably a good thing, but he also knows everything about us as well, which we wonder about. Just remember those Pharisees, and they were thinking in their private thoughts, and Jesus knew. So God knows our most private thoughts and sometimes there are things we'd rather not let God know, wouldn't they? How quickly every one of us would have to leave the room if, for some reason, God showed up and said, oh, "I'm going to put everything that you've done, Douglas, on the big screen." And afterwards, I'm going to hand out notes of every thought you've ever had. i be out the door, and out of Cromwell. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it? Wouldn't they? We've all got something. Sometimes, many things that we'd rather not let other people know. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, true story, author of the Sherlock Holmes stories, once played a practical joke on 12 of his friends. They were very respectable men, respectable men in London, well-known pillars of the community. So to each of them he sent a telegram message. It said, flee at once, all is discovered. And do you know all 12 left London within 24 hours? (laughs) That's right. Isn't that funny? Yeah, well, maybe not. And I think it's a little bit the same with us, and God knows everything, and it can be a little bit fearful at times. However, even with his complete and total knowledge of us, God still loves us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we can put on a front for folk, can't we, about all sorts of things. Even if our family for a time, we can put on a bit of a front, but we can't with God. most love this passage in um, Romans chapter five. It talks about how God knows us, but how he still loves us. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knows everything, we cannot hide, but amazingly, he knows us and loves us. If our most embarrassing sin or greatest weakness or biggest flaw was public, who would have the time of day for us? People wouldn't even speak to us, let alone die for us. And yet God demonstrates his own love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, this is the good news of the gospel, isn't it? And and I just just keep circling back. You know, in that Christian world, we just keep circling back to the cross and God's great mercy. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, though God is all-knowing and all-present and all-powerful, God does not impose himself on us. God is always the God of the invitation. He never forces his love, his acceptance or forgiveness on anyone. And so... Sadly, we know people who have not accepted the invitation. It's the majority of people in New Zealand. Hmm. Many people, either out of ignorance or uh, out of of stubborn will, uh, would rather live their lives in their own way instead of being dependent, trusting, serving of our wonderful God. Yet to everyone who comes with a humble heart, Acknowledging that, Lord, I can't do this thing called life by myself. I really need your help. Well, to those people, God will never turn them away. They will always welcome. The only standard that needs to be met is a clinging to Jesus as our only hope. I want to finish this morning with those last verses in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As we come to the communion table, uh, verse 5 says, God, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. just imagine as you come to the communion table that it... You don't need to imagine, because it certainly is by invitation of a loving God. But imagine that uh, as you take the bread and the wine, our Heavenly Father's hand is gently resting on your shoulder. And he is before you and behind you as you take the body and the blood that is Jesus Christ. Let's pray.